Friday nights on your drive home. Tune in to the Prep Sports Post Game. We got scores and interviews all the way till midnight on the Blitz 1170. All right, you just heard the weather there, Matt, from uh, Stephen Nairns. So today, we actually, I believe, according to this graphic that he posted, yeah, this morning, 26 degrees. The record was 27 degrees back in 1917. Dude, it was cold this morning. Today, it's expected to get to 62. Tomorrow... 78, Friday, 87. Yeah, I don't believe that. What, what, what are we doing? That's five degrees off from a record. I told you that TCU-Oklahoma State game last weekend, mm-hmm. it was hot in Fort Worth. It's crazy. I need to look to see what it's going to be in Philadelphia. And if you have allergies, I am so sorry. I do. You are going to be miserable. By the time we get to Friday and then through the weekend. Ugh. And it happened last night, Matt. I feel like that we need like a trumpet sounder or something. Do you know what happened last night? What? The old heater went on in the house. So that means you get to set in that 30 minutes of burnt smell when you first turn the heater back on. Like, ugh. That's going to be nice in Philly. Is it? Yeah, 60s. Uh yeah, but what's it gonna night? be? What's it gonna be at night? Forties? Forty-three Friday, mm, thirty-nine no, Thursday. I'm not ready for that. I'm I'm not ready. I'm going to look like a bundled up idiot with forty degree temperatures on the sidelines for that Temple Tulsa game. <laughs> Just mark it. Gloves, hat, all of it. I'm not ready for forties. All right, let's set up that Oklahoma Ford Dealers hotline and welcome in from Horns Two Four Seven. Or the twenty four seven network, if you didn't know, that is Hudson Standish joining us again here on the Blitz eleven seventy. What's going on, man? How are you today? Great to be back. Uh, doing good. I am excited to talk some Oklahoma State Texas. I feel like the Oklahoma preview we did a couple weeks ago turned out pretty well. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, especially but... <laughs> for the Texas side of things, it did turn out very well. Uh, I can't guarantee that same amount of success this time around. But before before we get to that game, I do have to ask you just your overall opinion. I had sent a message to a friend of mine on Sunday after kind of go going back and revisiting some more of that Texas game with Iowa State. Am I wrong in my opinion that that in years past that sure as hell would have felt like a Texas loss compared to them uh, finding a way to win? Big time. I think too it's the the glass half full Texas fans are like, hey, under Tom Herman, they find a way to bungle that one. The glass half empty are kind of going, look, we had a chance to put away a team that's not very good on offense early. Like Texas had the ball twice in Iowa State territory deep and got no points out of it. So, you know, I, I do think that previous Texas teams probably find a way to lose that one, but at the same time, with the opportunities they had to really uh, get up on them early, it is a little bit disappointing to get dragged into a dogfight. Yeah, yeah. Well, I do think that, though, that there's there's moments throughout a season in which you have to know that you can win in a variety of ways. And maybe if you're going to be on the positive side, that's how you have to look at that, which is it's not an easy place to play by any means or against that team anyway. It's not easy to play. Uh, but you now have another tool in your in your arsenal to be able to move forward knowing that you can win that way if you have to. 
Yeah, absolutely. That's definitely the positive way of uh, looking at that game because, you know, I, I think also, <laughs> I mean, you can't deny the fact that it's a letdown spot after the biggest Red River shootout win, yeah. in, you know, your program's history. Yeah, yeah, against a dangerous team. That's why I've, I've laughed all week about Tennessee after this big win. Now they've got Tennessee Martin rolling in, you know, before they play <laughs> Kentucky. It's a, it's, it's genius in scheduling, not that they – you know, made that happen on purpose, or they probably did so many years ago when they scheduled that. But yeah, you're right. Uh, the the opponent in this situation matters after a big emotional victory like that. Was that victory over Oklahoma? Uh, and I, man, it's still a win over your rival. Like, do you view that as a defining moment so far in the tenure of Sark? Yes, because it's a rivalry and, you know, Texas hadn't won in a while. I can completely understand the fact that if Oklahoma fans are listening to this going, you know, hey, when you were on the show two, three weeks ago and you made the joke about Jaleel Farouk starting at quarterback, I mean, you know, he actually took a snap or two at Wildcat quarterback. I'm Davis Bevel, you know, I I think that it, it should be mentioned that if, Oklahoma has Dylan Gabriel. Uh, they probably don't get shut out. Like, it's it's more of a competitive game. But at the same point, you know, you, it's, it's up to Texas to perform to what's on the field against them, and they absolutely did that. And I think for Sark and from, you know, what Mike Roach and I have heard from how recruits viewed that performance, it is a defining moment. Yeah, don't let me forget. I'll ask you about the recruiting front coming up here in a bit, uh, especially one that has uh, committed to Oklahoma but has been uh, flirting with the Longhorns. So I want to start defensively here for Texas. So what they've done now and what they did against Iowa State, which was holding them below 75 yards on 28 carries, they've held, what, three of their seven opponents to under 100 yards rushing. That's the best that they've had in terms of just total defense back since 2007 against the run. And that was a pretty good team that finished really good against the uh, the rush on average that year. Um, has this kind of been – I not the Texas is back, but I mean, defensively, right? Each and every single week, they continue to prove it time in and time out. Yeah, the the run defense, I want to say they have, yeah, the sixth best defensive success rate in the country against the run. So, you know, the, the big boys up front, Keandre Coburn, Tavondre Sweat, Moro, Jomo, like they're finally they've finally become developed and are kind of reaching their high recruiting ranking, like expectations and meanwhile you know Jalen Ford and DeMarvin Overshone um, at linebacker are really kind of coming into their own and they're a great uh, they're great against the run that's kind of undeniable now against the pass I think that's where teams (laughs) including Iowa State and Hunter Deckers have kind of been getting them and it's something that the Texas fan base is kind of still wanting answers for or solutions and I think it's something that you know is Spencer Sanders is healthy is going to kind of test them against Oklahoma State. Yeah, defensively, because I saw uh, a Jomo that was really talking about Bo Davis and about how what he's done as defensive line coach, being able to kind of they're they're not only developed right, but you feel like that they're a better coach from a technique standpoint uh, than they have been in in quite some time. But Bo Davis has really got them playing incredibly well up front within this system. And I have a kind of interesting anecdote about that. So right before, the day before the Alabama game, 
I was talking with Marcus Deal, who is a top 100 recruit in the nation, really uh, heralded defensive line prospect. And he just straight up told me when I was – because he was going to be at the Texas-Alabama game. And he just said straight up, Bo Davis, like when we talk, he, t- he tells me all the time, I finally got these guys coached up to where they're going to show out. Like I just need you to come in person and watch because I've got these guys playing – at a really high level in practice and it's going to show up on the field. And sure enough, that's exactly what's happened. And I love the fact that Bo Davis was, you know, willing to call his shot with recruits like that. Yeah. And I mean, one year has been a a difference in them kind of growing together on that. And I mean, if there's one thing that we know, I know on the back end hasn't been the best, but man, you're sure putting yourself in a hell of a position, right? With what they're doing up front and averaging almost seven tackles for loss per game, which is uh, number three in the conference, number 19 nationally. Uh, They're, they're good in red zone as well. Um, So they, they, it's it's little things that you that you can piece together. It may not be the total product so far, but they are on track. Absolutely, and I think that you know, especially after watching last year, where they couldn't fit a run to save their lives, I'd rather watch a team that can just stuff runs all day long, and then you you know take it or leave it with the pass. Other than the opposite, because. You know, at the end of the day, football is a physical game, and if you're going to let people run on you, you know, you kind of it, it makes it easy for them. Or at least with this, in crunch time, you were at least having to see Hunter DeEckers and the Iowa State uh, receivers make plays, which they kind of weren't able to do. You saw the Xavier Hutchinson drop, where you know he's one of the better players in the conference, but forcing other teams' passing uh, attacks to beat you is a pretty good strategy. Now. I will say this, again, against Oklahoma State, the weapons and the quarterback are much better. Mm-hmm. And I guess the only question I have is what's going on with Spencer Sanders because, God, this line shifting is pretty interesting. Yeah, wild, right, to see that number. Um, and, and Gundy's been pretty steadfast with the, hey, don't ask me. But then also in a weird way, like answering questions after he just says, don't ask me about injuries. I mean, I anyone could have seen at at a certain point in the second half at TCU, Spencer Sanders was was just not right. Uh, I don't know what the approach has been behind the scenes this week, uh, in in terms of limiting him at all. Um, but he's he's clearly not one hundred percent. Just no one knows from a percentage standpoint what he's going to be this weekend, whether it's eighty, eighty five, or ninety. Uh, but yeah, he's he's dealing with a few injuries, and it's. It's resulted in something that has been in the back of every Oklahoma State's mind since the season started, which is the running game is not as dynamic as what it used to be. Um, We have a guy that we feel like that we're comfortable with in, in Richardson, but what makes it truly dynamic is what Spencer Sanders is able to add to this. And you saw TCU kind of tee off on them a little bit in the second half because of that. For sure. And I, you know, I won't lie and say that I evaluated him uh, when he was in high school, but I think part of what goes into it as well is, okay, well, if Spencer Sanders is banged up, even if he tries to play, if he gets knocked out of the game, Gunnar Gundy, I believe, is the backup. Yes. I don't think anybody has a great idea of what he's really capable of. He actually has a longer run from scrimmage this year than Richardson does. That's a little known fact for (laughs) you. Now, against that was Arkansas Pine Bluff, so that's probably a little bit unfair 
uh, to uh, to throw that out there on him right now. But yeah, it's kind of the it is indeed the the great unknown what you could potentially see with him if he had to go an extended period of time. I look, Spencer is going to battle through this. I mean, that's I that's who he is at this point. Uh, but it's just his limited range now is that we have ultimate questions about. So, in your general opinion, it's this conference is so darn competitive. Is this teetering? I asked the Oklahoma State beat writer yesterday, is this teetering, in your opinion, of an elimination game for either of these teams? Man, I felt so good during the first half of the TCU game last week because for a while I had said I think it's going to be Oklahoma State and Texas in Arlington um, in the Big 12 title game. And then that happens, and you know, I was doing the math in my head before I even came on the show, and I didn't think it was an elimination game per se, um, but I don't know. The more that we've talked, it it does give that vibe. The only thing I would say, I guess, is that if Texas loses, I still could see a potential where they beat TCU and force a three-way tie at two losses. Because I'm sure you saw, but TCU lost Marcel Brooks. They're yep. kind of starting to get more banged up on the defensive side of the ball. I do feel like they're going to drop a game. Um, before the Big 12 slate is over. Uh, Let's talk about this offense for Texas for a moment. Uh, There are times I watch them, and I still feel like I keep going back to the uh, all gas, no breaks take, but there's times where I watch them, and I think what they do from a schematic standpoint and scheming people open is borderline genius. They finally got their dude at quarterback uh, that can operate in a way that just makes some jaw-dropping throws at times. Everyone says... Like there was one throw a few weeks ago in the Oklahoma game where he lets it go, and I think every Texas fan gasp and like, <gasps> no. And then when he hits it, you're like, damn. There's not many people in college football that can make a play like that. I think that's what you have to live with from time to time. But why do I feel like sometimes it's all gas, but riding the break with this offense? <laughs> like they have these opportunities to blow the game open, yet they still find a way to almost limit themselves. It's really interesting because I, I, I have felt I've felt the same sort of, I guess, gut feeling that you just um, talked about with the writing the breaks thing. My best guess would be it's because they have two stud running backs and they want to get their guys their touches. Even though I think if you looked at the numbers, you know, with, with Quinn Ewers in there, I think they're probably like the second or third best passing offense in the nation, right? Yeah. And so it's – it's this, I guess, feeling that uh, you need to get Rashawn Johnson and B. John Robinson, you know, both 15-plus touches, when maybe they really should just be taking shots all over the place and, you know, using them more as the incredible receivers they are instead of just, you know, running inside zone and getting uh, stuffed on second and nine and then forcing a third and long where defenses can get a little bit more creative. Isn't it weird to think that the, the weapons might actually hamper you like in a weird way? Like just think it, about what we just is, brought up there. It's, it's so wild. Odd. Yeah. It is very odd. And I don't know. It's it, Again, it's just interesting seeing the development of guys like talk about on the defense side of the ball. I think the fact that Texas has a true tight end weapon for the first time since Jermichael Finley is is contributing to a ton of the success. I mean, Jatavian Sanders, those um, in Oklahoma who, you know, follow kind of the Texas high school football for the recruiting stuff will remember him at Denton Ryan 
when he was a five-star that could have played edge or tight end, ends up going the tight end route. Doesn't play at all last year, but really has developed into the complete package um, for Texas at the Y spot. Uh, final thought. I, I, I know how the Longhorn fan feels about just the, the state in general, but how much talk has there been about OSU winning eight of their last 12 matchups overall? Like Gundy has had their number as of late. So this is, this is a very dangerous game that the Longhorns are walking into on homecoming. Absolutely. And I think that if you put the uh, imaginary sports gun to Texas fans' head, they would understand that the games where Texas won, it almost felt like Gundy gave the game away rather than Texas winning it. Like uh, the the perfect example being when they came to Austin, and I believe he ran 40-plus times when Spencer Sanders in his first-ever matchup was just throwing the ball all over the field. Like, it's, it's really concerning. And Honestly, like, until this weird line movement started happening, I was going to pick Oklahoma State, but now I'm just a little bit worried that if something's off with the QB and it's enough to shift Vegas spreads this much, that just kind of makes me nervous. Well, what you just said is I can guarantee you there's someone that's listening that's an Oklahoma State fan that just went, see, even the Texas guy gets it. Um, That was even a topic of discussion about, you know, the running game and maybe becoming more conservative and play calling even against TCU. But there there are moments, and that has been a rather loud expression of frustration from some of the fans about the Gundy tenure and, and era that he's in is that, what you just said, some of those victories have felt like that you've taken the foot off the gas a little bit and through a play-calling uh, decision here or there, it's ultimately resulted in a few more losses than what many believe were necessary. And it does stink, I will say, because I do think that he probably is the best coach in the Big 12, like overall. I, I really yeah. respect him so much. But at times, I just feel like if he maybe does put the you know pedal to the floor – like, Oklahoma State should be, I, I don't know, much better. And, again, I guess that's just my last thing because uh, I don't want to, you know, run you all too long. But if Oklahoma State passes the ball like 40 times a game if Spen- uh, against Texas and Spencer Sanders is healthy, I do think they'll win. Hudson, this has been great, man. Thanks so much uh, two times this season for coming on with us. Who knows? We might have to do it again if we have a little uh, Big 12 uh, championship rematch as well. But keep up the great work there at Horns 24-7, man, and always appreciate you taking a few moments to come on with us. Appreciate you all the time. I kind of wish Texas played more Oklahoma teams. Like, it's fun. <laughs> Well, hey, the radio with y'all. hey, man, even if they don't play an Oklahoma team, we, we could do a we could do a championship <laughs> match if they end up making it or even do a bowl uh, bowl matchup with you as well. So uh, greatly appreciate it, man. Appreciate you a ton. All right. That is uh, Hudson Standish joining us here on the Blitz 1170. You can catch that game. The tailgate show starts at 1230 this Saturday with Texas and OSU here on your home for the Oklahoma State Cowboys, the Blitz 1170. Uh, Every Wednesday morning at 8, the Blitz honors the best in Oklahoma high school football. It's the Athlete of the Week presented by First Priority Bank. Member FDIC right here on the Blitz 1170. Listen to the Morning Blitz with Rick Corey. Wednesdays at 8 for that big announcement. First Priority Bank will donate $500 to the athletic department of the player that is chosen. As we honor the best in Oklahoma high school football. We'll take a timeout. We'll come back. Harold Kuntz will join us next. His old stomping grounds of the city of Tulsa. We'll talk to him about some Kansas City Chiefs football and Price Chopper and everything else 
next year on The Blitz.